Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. Hi everybody, my name is John Schmelkin. Welcome to the Giants Huddle, our brand new Giants podcast, which you can find on Giants.com, iTunes, and all your favorite podcast services, including TuneIn. This is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. We're going to go in-depth on the New York football Giants, talking to both present and past Giants about them on and off the field, and we'll talk to some of the best analysts around the NFL, getting their in-depth look on the New York Giants. And to start off our podcast series brand new this year, we decided to invite Peter Schrager, who you see every morning on Good Morning Football and his coverage on Fox Sports of the National Football League. And he's kind enough to take time away from his dogging of coaches and GMs and owners out in Arizona to talk to us today. Schrager, John Schmelk here in New Jersey. How are you, buddy? John, I'm doing great, man. I'm fired up to be on the podcast. We appreciate you being our first guest of the year. And let's start with this. We had John Mara and Steve Tisch, both Giant owners, talk to the Giant beat writers. Show you saw their quotes. Uh, what are your reaction to what they had to say about some of the Giants' moves this offseason, which has really dominated much of the national conversation? Yeah, and that's the thing. I work on Good Morning Football, which, though we're based in New York, it's really a national show. So if the story is about the Jaguars, talking about them, if the story is about the Cardinals, talking about them, and for about the last eight to nine days it's been giants starting off every show and it's because of the Odell Beckham trade it's because of the vision of this team and because of where we're going here so when you hear a owner say that oh you know it broke my heart or you know that that was reluctant and then you hear that his grandkids were crying as a fan you're saying okay well what's going on here what is it and they said it's in Gettleman's hands and it's in Dave Gettleman's hands so it is in Dave Gettleman's hands I don't think anybody in an ideal world wants to trade away Odell Beckham the year after you sign them for a mega contract, but that's what they did, and now we'll go from here. And sky's the limit with what they want to do. You get the sixth, the seventeenth, and I think the key thing. And I said this on our show on Good Morning Football. If you listen to Gettleman's quotes from the conference call he had with reporters, you know he really said that Jabril Peppers is the value of first round pick. Kept on saying it, saying we got two first round picks, we got the seventeenth pick, and we got Jabril Peppers. There's a disconnect between how. Maybe us in the media, maybe how the fans view it, and maybe how the rest of the league views Jabril Peppers and how Dave Gettleman views Jabril Peppers. Apparently, Jabril Peppers has the potential to be worthy of that first-round pick he was a few years ago and all that more when you let Landon Collins walk out the door and you're saying, well, we got a first-round pick in Jabril Peppers. So, to me, that's going to be the key. The draft picks, 6-17, and and how good Jabril Peppers is. And you better hope Odell Beckham doesn't go absolutely bonkers and blow up the league when he's in Cleveland. Now, Pete, you mentioned the media reaction. We all see it on Twitter, the fan reaction, which was obviously very, very loud and emotional. What was the reaction you heard from the people around the league? You talked to other general managers, coaches, people like that. To the trade, was it shock? What did people think of the value the Giants got in return? What was the general chatter around the league about the move? Yeah, they're surprised because he signed the deal last year, but Odell Beckham is no walk in the park, and I think that was some of the feedback I got, that do you want to add an Odell Beckham to your team? If you're a Browns and you're ascending, do you want a guy who you know went on, let's call it like it is, I don't think anyone in the Giants organization was aware that Odell Beckham was going to be sitting with Josina Anderson and Little Wayne in an empty restaurant in East Rutherford <laughs> talking about Eli Manning, and I think that went over not so great, and I think some of the stuff that happened the year prior didn't go over so great, and yes, they gave him the contract. But I think a lot of people around the league said, you know what, it's not for us. And guys like him and Antonio Brown, when you have a wide receiver and you look at the position and the value of it, the Giants were 3-13 and two years ago, and they were 5-11 and a year ago. So let's not make it out to say that this is Tom Brady or that this is Patrick Mahomes. It's a different position. It's the wide receiver spot. 
and they got a pretty good deal for it. For what you're saying, if you're going to trade the player, you need to have at least a first round pick. You need to have at least a player that can start next year. You got to have something else. So I know they're getting clobbered for it everywhere, and it's hard to you know say, well, I get what they're doing because of this, this, and this. I'm not a general manager. I'm not Dave Gettleman. But at the very least, I know that they're, they're, what they got in exchange for him is something that they can build upon. And they're moving on. They're turning the page. Yeah, and frankly, it matches up with what other teams have gotten for other prime-year position players that aren't quarterbacks in the past, which is basically close to two first-rounders, depending on how you obviously qualify Jabril Peppers. Lee reaction, Pete, to Landon Collins' contract with the Redskins. I think heading into the Combine, most people thought the Giants were going to put that franchise tag on Landon Collins. Then when Dave Gettleman spoke at the Combine, we're like, oh, maybe not. He turned out not to do it, and then he signed that mega deal with the Redskins. What was the reaction you heard from your contacts around the league about what happened with Landon Collins? Well, the safety market was so up in the air. Everyone thought Earl Thomas was going to break the bank. No one knew what Tyron Matthew was going to make. And then out of nowhere, Landon Collins gets a deal that blows out the franchise tag number. They say, okay, wow. Well, hey, look, the the league, you know, you know, no one has the all the answers. But I think people were surprised at the number. But then once you saw what Earl got, and once you saw what Tyron Matthew got, it kind of fell into line that this was the the market leader, and that's what the going rate was for a safety. It just is what it is, and the Giants weren't willing to pay it. And Landon Collins got his money. He played his cards right. You know, he said he was out, and then they didn't give him the franchise tag. He was out, and he got more money, and he's going to a division rival. And from everything I'm hearing in Washington, I know those guys pretty well, they're through the moon. They are through the roof happy. They love Landon Collins. They think he's going to be great. And all those knocks that are very easy on Twitter, he's a box safety, he can't do coverage. He hears it, and you know Landon pretty well. You're around him. Absolutely. He's got a chip on his shoulder, just like being a second-round pick was. No question about it. Good football player and really a good presence in that locker room. You won't find many people here that has anything to say uh, really bad about Landon Collins. I think that was strictly a business decision, which is something similar to what John Maron and Steve Tisch uh, both said. You talked about the direction. The Giants are going to have a lot of cap space next season. You mentioned all the draft picks. People, and I've seen the lower third on all the TV networks and, and, and all the shows, what's the Giants' plan? And John Maron seemed to articulate it yesterday. You build while trying to compete. I guess my question for you is how fine of a needle are you trying to thread when you're trying to do both those things at the same time? There's different models, you know, and it's here's what it all comes down to. You took Saquon Barkley as the second overall pick, and I think when you talk to Giants folks, they'll say it's a surefire Hall of Famer or success story, and that's what you do. You go and you get that guy when he's a bird in the hand, you know, and he will be. He was everything in Moore's first year, and yet, you still don't have an answer for the quarterback years 2020, 2021, 2022, and beyond. You still don't have the first overall pick this year, so you might be having to chase someone you might necessarily love, and you're hoping you don't have the second pick overall again. So I think it goes back to that, where if we are in this building mode and we do not take a Josh Allen or a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold or even trade back and take a Lamar Jackson – and we don't take a quarterback that we love here. It's like, well, where are we going? Because we still have a 38-year-old quarterback whose best days are behind him. It's a very fascinating thread uh, of the needle, like you said, because, yeah, Golden Tate's a good player, but Golden Tate at that price, if we're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl, is that what we want to do when we had Odell Beckham at his number? I mean, there's all these questions you can have. To me, I guess you got to trust Gettleman at this point. And believe that the Giants as an organization in the last 10 years, obviously, with, you know, or going back to 07, 
have won two championships building through the draft and going from there, and then you go back all the way to 86 and 90, and there's been success. If there's an organization you can trust, it's the Mara and Tish relationship, and it's, they've hired the right guys, and let's put our faith in them before we start tearing them down. I think that's what you're hoping for as a Giants fan, but the sixth overall pick, I'll tell you, John, I've got a mock draft coming out. I think it's going to shake some people up because I'm talking around the league, and as great a story as the Jersey kid coming home with Dwayne Haskins might be, Drew Locke is getting a lot of heat. And I've got Drew Locke going to the Giants at sixth overall. I think they are going to take a quarterback if, if there's one on the board that they love. And I think by the time we're at April and everyone's talking draft and we're at that point, I think Drew Locke is going to be the second quarterback taken, and it's not going to be Dwayne Haskins. That's interesting, and it's funny. Like You hear a lot of different narratives from people. Some people don't believe Gettleman has any interest in taking a quarterback. Some people think, well, he has to take a quarterback. How heavy of interest do you think the Giants have of using that sixth pick specifically on a quarterback this year? I can't go into their brains, but I don't think the Giants are one for smoke screens, and I think you heard the word quarterback mentioned a few times by the ownership group, and I also think that it just is sensible when you start mentioning the Kansas City model, and Gettleman's not one to throw things out there to, to deflect and try to throw you off in the media. I think genuinely, if there's a quarterback they love, they'll take one at six, and I don't think Murray's going to be there at two, so I think it's going to have to be really like or love Haskins and Locke and hope that one of them's there if you do. What's the noise around the league as to why Locke is gaining on Haskins in the quarterback evaluation? Four years of experience, different systems, moxie, leader of men. You go to his pro day and everyone came back out of his pro day saying, oh my God, those kids that played for him worship him. They'll follow him around like he's the Pied Piper. A little intangible stuff. He's got a little... Uh, I don't know what the word is, a little jerk to him. From what I hear, Senior Bowl came in with kind of the alpha in the room. And those things start kind of bearing out when you're like, all right, what do we want in our quarterback? And after the success that Baker had, people are looking for that a little bit. Who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the face? Who's going to be the alpha? And I think right now, you know, Haskins is a work in progress. I don't know if you can put Haskins on the field right now just after one year of experience and, you know, not having as much of a, of a, of a base of, oh, well, this is definitely going to translate the next level. We know that this works. But with Locke, it's like, all right, here's four years. The tape doesn't lie. The kid can whip it. He's six foot four. His father played. His father's father played. All that stuff. It all <laughs> comes into play. And I feel like at his pro day, he turned a lot of heads. And at the combine, he had a good couple days. So are you thinking that Haskins could even maybe drop out of the top ten? No, I think so. I think, I mean, there's enough teams, mm-hmm. whether it be Washington or Denver or maybe even in Miami if they want to, if, it, if there's a desire to go get him. I think that had the quarterbacks go. You know that. Of and every year there's quarterback. Last year there's four in the top ten, whatever it was. I can't see him falling out of the top ten. He's too good of a talent. But I do think Locke, when it's all said and done, I think Locke is going to go before Haskins. Arizona, how sure are you, or do you maybe not think at all, that Kyler Murray is going to be the first overall pick? I'm pretty confident Kyler Murray is going to be the first overall pick. That's I've got, you know, look, people think I'm tied into them because I broke the news that Kingsbury was being hired, and they think that I, you know, it doesn't come from Kingsbury. This comes from just reading between the lines, the things that are said, the things that aren't said, and the system that Kingsbury's going to run, and his fascination with Kyler Murray. I've done it uh, time and time again. I mean, this is a guy who recruited Kyler Murray when he was a 15-year-old kid, recruited him when he was a 16-year-old kid, recruited him when he was a 17-year-old kid, then when he was transferring, recruited him then again, and has always wanted him. It's almost like the prize that he never got to get. And now he's at the first overall pick, and I would be very surprised, knowing that he knows Kyler the way he does, knowing that he knows Kyler's father the way he does. Kyler and Kyler's father and Cliff have a very good relationship. It's almost 
you can't write a better you know transition for a college coach going into the pros than having a college quarterback that he knows as well as he does. I would be very, very surprised if Kyler Murray's not the top pick of the draft. And if that happens, then the drama surrounds Josh Rosen. I know some people have thought that maybe just a number three could get him, which to me sounds absolutely bonkos. What do you think the cost is eventually going to be to get a guy like Josh Rosen, who a lot of people thought was a top five pick and what many people think was a better quarterback class last year? And a lot of people think he's a better quarterback than Murray. Yeah. A lot of people I talk to here are like, I'd rather have Rosen than Murray. Um I don't know, and that's above my pay grade. I honestly, I, it sounds like I'm taking a cop out here. I don't know, and a lot of people are saying, well, why are the Cardinals still stringing along that Rosen's their guy? And my response to that is that when you're selling a car, you don't put it on Craigslist or eBay and say, I've got this piece of junk, who wants it? I'll take whatever. You say, this is a great car, we love this car. But I've gotta <laughs> get it. You know, I, I don't think you're ever going to see a negative word out of the Cardinals on Rosen, because I do genuinely think, if something crazy or bonkers was to happen and they didn't get Kyler Murray, they're very happy with Josh Rosen. Um, I would think a second-round pick. I would think maybe a late first. He's good enough. He dealt with a lot of adversity last year. And I, this is a key. I spoke to Steve Wilkes at the Combine, and it was off the record, but I don't think Steve would have a problem with me saying this. I said, what do you make of Rosen? And almost trying to lead him to a horse to water saying, well, was he a pain in the ass or was he something? And he goes, that's a great kid, and he handled a lot of adversity, and I'm proud of the way he played, and I don't have a bad thing to say about him. So if that's a head coach who was fired after one year and had his hands in the quarterback, it would have been very easy for him to say, well, he's got a long way to go, and you know his maturity's not there. Had not a bad word to say about him, and I've known Wilkes you know, a long time. He wouldn't, he wouldn't talk that way if he didn't feel that way. So I don't think that's damaged goods. I think that's just if he's on the market, I just think people are probably hesitant to say, okay, well, what was wrong with him? You drafted him 10th overall and traded up to get him. Why are, you, why are you cutting bait? Truth is, I just think Kingsbury loves Kyler Murray. Absolutely. We're joined by Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football and, of course, Fox Sports covers the league. So I guess the question then for you, Pete, we haven't had a lot of the full-day visits with these quarterbacks with teams yet or other players for that matter. Uh, how seriously do teams take those full-day visits, especially with quarterbacks? And, and to the same point, when can we start taking a lot of the predictions and mock drafts seriously for teams in terms of when they really start setting their draft boards and coming to conclusions? Because I know a lot of people try to predict this stuff way too early. Yeah, it's the outliers. And I think there's a couple guys around the league, I'd like to think I'm one of them, where they, of course. they look at these mock drafts and they say, okay, well, he's got that. That's odd. Like, I've got, I've got Locke going over um, Haskins. That's going to cause waves. Another one I've got, I've got, Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle out of Houston, over Quinnen Williams right now. Wow. And that doesn't come from nowhere. It doesn't come from me. It comes from multiple teams telling me, just wait till Ed Oliver has his pro day and he blows everyone away. On Thursday at Houston, it's going to be a show. Like, so I'd like to think that there are certain movements. I think Mel Kuyper is one of the guys, Daniel Jeremiah. When you see a player rising aboard, that's when you take credence into the mock drafts. But those meetings, that's where players get drafted. I mean, if you hit it off in that 15-minute meeting, that's great at the Combine. But then it cools, and you look at the film. When you're taking that visit, and you're put on the board, and you're walked around the facility, how are you going to fit? How can we envision you? That's the stuff that teams want to see. And I take a lot more, I take a lot more stock in that than maybe the 15-minute stuff at the combine. How seriously do GMs take the idea? Because it gets thrown a lot out there by fans and media folks of, oh, well, look at the quarterback class in 2020. We're just going to wait a year. Or are GMs, you think, too risk-averse? Nothing. No, because I, the I job security Thank is not you. there. I agree. And, you're, and what you're saying is we're going to be the worst team in football. You know, we, we want Tua, so we're not going to be good. And I'll be, I'll, I have enough confidence that the owner is going to keep me after a 5-11 and 11 and a 3-13 and 13 season. I'm going to go 1-15 so I can get Tua, and I'm going to be the guy to take him. 
it's too competitive. There's no such thing as tanking in the football, in the NFL. There's too many first-year coaches and GMs just showing the door. It doesn't work like that. It's not fantasy football. You're absolutely right. And being in the building every day, I very much understand that. And Peter, you're at the owners' meetings. They're discussing a lot of rules. And one piece of news that has already come out, the league has approved the additional challenge rule where teams can now challenge both offensive and defensive pass interference penalties called and not called, which was a, which was a surprise to me because I always thought NFL teams were much more conservative in regards to rule changes like this than a lot of the fans and media were. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the teams are very conservative, and I think you saw what John Mara said in regards to that 4th and 15 suggestion with the onside kicks and all that. Teams that, you know, let's not, let's not make this arena football league just yet over a couple of hysterical fans. I, I think I just want, I don't want these games to go six hours, and I know a lot of NFL coaches and GMs, and especially the broadcast teams, they don't want them to go six hours either. So just be careful what you wish for, and I think the NFL is aware of that. Calls have been questionable. I mean, Giants fans can go back to Trey Junk in, in that call and say, wait a second, we should have had that down over again. It happens. You get some, you don't get some, and I think that's, that's, that's what inside this building people are talking about. It's more than just what's hysterical. Well, I did not think I would hear from you a defensive pass oh, in the field. I go Trey Junkin. Richie Seibert going deep on the f- fumbled snap on the was, field goal. He was open. He was, he was open. open. You have no idea what would have happened. Yeah. And, and he was an eligible receiver on the play, too. Very, very good yeah. memory. I'm impressed. See, this is how you know Pete's from the metropolitan area, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I'll tell you exactly where I was for that game at another time, but let's say there were some drinks involved, and uh, I might have been rooting for some team in blue, so I remember everything. I'm sure you were unhappy. I, I was actually at a Nick game when that happened, actually. Really? I was watching in. I was watching near one of the concession stands on the concourse as the fumble snapped happened. I'm just like, wow, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. That was before I was traveling for this stuff, so I was on a couch at my buddy's place, and we're watching, and at halftime, I kid you not, it was before Jeff Garcia and T.O. go for about 300 in the second half, we were looking at flights to Tampa, and that was the ultimate jinx. We never did that again as fans. I've never done that again for a playoff assignment. You can never write a script before it's over. I think I am partially responsible for the Giants not winning that game. All right, I'll, I'll decide whether or not I want to edit that out of this podcast, Pete. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the schedule. We know what the Thursday night game to open the season is going to be. Uh, any rumors flying around on what that Sunday night game might be? We know the Patriots are hosting it, and we know, whisper, whisper, that the Giants do play in New England this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I don't get any of that stuff yet. I'm fascinated <laughs> to see what happens as well. I'm really curious. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a couple teams that are going to be highlighted more than others. One thing I got was I think we're going to see a lot of Browns on national television, which means the league believes in some of the moves they're making and believes in Freddie Kitchen. So some of these new faces, some of these new teams, but expect a lot of Chiefs, a lot of Browns. Let's try to push Mahomes, push Baker, and see if we can get some new stars on the, in the main stage. Did I miss any storylines, Pete? Uh, what else are you hearing over at the owners' meeting that is really dominating league conversation right now? I think we hit it all. I think we really hit it all. I think it's, it's fascinating to see the dynamics of all of this, everyone interacting together and seeing exactly how it's going to all go down. But it's crazy. The NFL season is like a hamster wheel. Away we go. I feel like we were doing the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago, and Combine was yesterday, and now all of a sudden we're in a new league year, and there's a new topics, and every day there's something new to talk about. Any any free agents left on the docket that you think teams are really going after hard that people should keep no, an eye on? No, I'll tell you what I'd be interested in. I want to keep an eye on what happens um, with the Dallas defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, because I know that the Cowboys have to take care of a lot of veteran guys, and I don't think he's first on their priority list, and I think pass rusher is first on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to see how that one plays out, and I think 
come draft day, I think teams might be calling to see what his his market availability is. Well, b- before we say goodbye, Pete, I want to ask you a little bit about your career real quick. Because, you know, Good Morning Football, much like in most of the facilities, it's on here on a lot of the TVs in the mornings. And it seems like you guys genuinely have a lot of fun. So unless you guys are some of the best actors in the world, it seems like you guys really just like coming to work and doing that show together. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. We all kind of get along. Uh, we're all passionate about the game, and we all like having a good time. So you're spot on. I mean, it's a dream job, and we kind of walked right into it, the four of us, where we didn't really know each other. It's a lot easier when you actually like the person next to you, but you're spot on, and it means a lot that it's in, on in the facilities, and we keep on getting that time and time again. Finally, how do you balance that with kind of the reporting stuff you do with Fox? I know sometimes the opinion stuff combined with the reporting can get a little bit tricky as someone that is in the business. I know that can be a little bit of a sure. tightrope to walk, right? Sure, it all bleeds into each other, too. It's like you do uh, you do one thing and you hope it helps the other, but if you have a hot take or a person, you know, I've had many coaches call me and say, you're, you're wrong, you're, you're wrong on that, and I've got to face them on the Fox side on the weekends and kind of deal with it on, on the heads up. So it's a balance, but I think people appreciate the work, and as long as I'm true to myself and what I'm saying as opinion, I believe it. I have no problem saying it. Absolutely, Pete. Well, we enjoy your work. Thanks so much for being the first guest, and we'll talk to you again down the road, all right? All right, man. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. That's Peter Schrager. You can see him every morning on Good Morning Football on NFL Network and, of course, his coverage for Fox covering the National Football League as one of their sideline reporters. We thank him for joining us. And, folks, this is just episode number one of our brand-new podcast, The Giants Huddle, which you can find on Giants.com, your podcast service, whether it's iTunes, TuneIn, and every other popular podcast service and platform, it's there. Make sure you add us to your favorites list. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll try to get you a new one every single week to get you a little bit of a different look at the New York football giants. We'll have rotating hosts. It'll be myself, Madeline Burke, Paul Dottino, Lance Meadow, even some Bob Papa involved as well as we talk to New York Giants past and present and not only talk about what they've done on the field for the Giants, but kind of give a look at their personal life. What are they into? What do they do off the field? What are their personalities like? Give you a little bit of a different look at the Giants you already know a lot about off the field and maybe some things you haven't heard before and things that we can't do during the season when we do our locker room interviews and things for our TV shows because we're focusing on the games. This will give you a much broader view of Giants as people And, of course, we'll talk to some of the best analysts around the NFL, like Peter Schrager. And with the draft coming up, we'll go in-depth on the NFL draft in 2019 as well. That's Episode 1 for the Giants Huddle right here on Giants.com and all your favorite podcast platforms and services. Make sure you subscribe, add us to your favorites. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week for Episode 2 of the Giants Huddle. We'll see you then.